and that word is honesty. After all, you can't have true justice in my mind until you have complete honesty. And how many people have lied? Remember Boris? Oh, we know he lies, but it's okay. And I must admit, I'm starting to think Sunak's the same. Maybe all Prime Ministers have been the same. I know there was something about Tony Blair doing things. But I wasn't that in, much interested in politics at that time. 69, I've only been in the last 20 years. So, and, and honesty is important to me. I like to think I'm, I'm a fairly honest man. Oh, I tell white lies. Like I say my team's the greatest in the world. They are. Don't forget that. Or I remember when I was, my first job was at Thomas Cook's. And one guy said, I can drink eight pints. And I said, I can drink ten. The honest fact is I could. I drank about two, three pints. Now when I was a shorts. Couldn't drink anymore. Bravado of youth. The first story, anyway. Let's get into that. Well, we're going to go back to Lady Moan. And I don't really want to talk about her. You know, I, I, I. She's actually at the moment. She and her husband are selling all their properties. Why? I imagine we're going to be seeing the end of Lady Moan very soon. That's because she's caught by the National Crime Agency who will be investigating her. I hope they do. I hope they throw away. They've been talking about her her uh, peerage being taken away. Her peerage actually was given to her by David Cameron when he was Prime Minister. But it's not... It's associating with her, this story is is a Lord Bethel, who is a junior minister in uh, the health department. Funny how all these lords get jobs, don't they? Um, has produced a message from her, message, that categorically proves the government knew nothing about it. It's dated 2020, the only problem is, with this, is that Lord Bethel had signed a document to the COVID inquiry that he could not access any messages before 2021. So, somehow, miraculously, this has appeared. It's like, um, well, they all say they can't access their WhatsApp. All these ministers, both prime ministers said it, there is a way. I'm so surprised nobody thought about it. Uh, but maybe it has to go through the courts and do it happen, make it happen. That might be too trouble, too much trouble. Is when you say things on WhatsApp, they're not saved on your phone. They're saved to a server. So it's quite easy, I suppose, to delete it from your phone. But to delete it from the server, which is not in your power, is different. Now, if they have deleted it, if they have deleted it, I'm talking about, not what's that, I'm talking about, these people who said they can't access messages. 
have deleted from the server, then there's questions to be asked. But they're getting away with it, like Boris. Like Boris might be the only innocent one here in this case. Because with WhatsApp, it's not allocated to an email, your name, or the phone. It's allocated to a phone number. And Boris had to change his phone number at some stage, I believe. I don't know when. But Sunak, oh, I can't do it. I don't understand it. I don't use text. Oh, forget it. Everybody uses it. I don't like texting. Um, something I know. Actually prefers emails all the time. I don't mind emails or texting, you know, or WhatsApp. Same thing, I'm actually on a couple of groups. Actually, funny enough, the other day I I changed my phone. I hadn't used a group for over a year. I don't know, it was last year. It was earlier this month. And all of a sudden a message appeared from one of the guys on, on the group. I hadn't seen those. Because I hadn't been interacting. It appeared. Because I'm part of the group. It's all fishy, fishy. Or rishy, rishy, maybe. That's a perfect segue into talking about our favourite Prime Minister. I will admit that when he stood, first of all, for the ship, I said, he's the guy for the job. He understood finances. I did say to a friend of mine, um, if this trust gets in, we're going to have a disaster. What happened? She got in. What do we get? A disaster. And after, if you listen to Barry in the Economist Primer, that explains what she is. I can't believe there's people like that around who deal with money, who deal, you know, like, it's like me saying, oh, God, give me a hundred quid. And next minute I've got a hundred quid. Oh, thank you, God. And that's what I'm going to work on. no. It's totally different. I'm not very good with money, I'm it. Um, but I'm probably better than most people. I mean, I can I can do books and all that. But Richie Sunak was right for a select committee only a week or so ago about why he hadn't declared all the money to Rwanda. I think you've heard it. It's it's going to be about four hundred million pound at least, maybe five hundred million pound, which is okay, and that's only for taking the people. That's not for everything else they've agreed. I think it's one of the worst deals in the world. Um, that amount of money, and then they're going to have to pay for their upkeep for five years. And they can send them back. So, Joe Manchini, they take these people, four and a half years they keep them. And on just before the end of the contract, they send them back so they don't want that cost. That's a good deal, isn't it? Or they send them back to where they, where they came from, which is even worse. Well, I can imagine that. But Mr. Sunak, in the made a little slip, and I wonder if it's a Freudian slip or 
And he said, well, if we were talking to somebody else, and the person who held this, uh, chaired this committee, was very quick on that, said, have you? And I said, oh, no, no. But the way he hesitated, I had. I assume they had anyway. You know, you don't just go and, uh, oh, yeah, where should we put these immigrants? Oh, we'll put them over there. They must have asked other countries. And he actually said, other countries are fine soon. Well, I'm not bothered about other countries, I'm bothered about this country. I'm bothered about the amount of money. And the latest thing about Rwanda is I haven't got the planes. So it's like me. Oh, God, this, cunt, this government. So many things. Um, we're going to have, yeah. The billions of pounds that's been spent on HS2. And all of a sudden at the, at the conference, the court, they said, well, we're not going to bother with Birmingham to Manchester. Because that's not important. I didn't say that it's not important, but that's what they said. That she meant, you know, everything comes through London. I was talking to somebody last week about renting, and I said about the rent bidding that's happening in London. He said, that's only happened there, and you can't always think about London. Unfortunately, I only know about London. I'd love to, but one of my dreams is to go around the country and talk to people. Everything finance on this podcast out of my pocket. Uh, so I can't always, you know, I know I'm not rich. If I was, yeah. Put a couple of million in, it'd be great. want to win the Euro Millions. But Mr Sunak has, has recently proven himself to be this... And remember, he did say at the uh, at the leadership battle, I man the people. No, I'm sorry. This guy's worth 122 million. Um, his wife is worth even more. As you may remember, it's only because it, it was brought out she had non-dom status and she wasn't paying any tax. There was a big fuss about it. He actually had a green card which he didn't declare. Well, so what would it do? He, you know, most, like, Boris has now earned money because he goes around doing talks and gets hired by charlatans to do things. I'm not going to talk about the charlatans. But our Prime Minister, I don't think he's all... Up to school. I, I must. I've made a mistake, and I don't like admitting I make mistakes. I said this would be a good guy, but <clears throat> if you look at the Tory conference, there was nothing that was important to the people. Only important to segments. Sunak spoke about education, really, uh, rather than spoke about racism. She was sent to the racists. And Liz Trust was sent to anybody who wants to have a few pennies in their pocket. Because it's always a good thing to have. And yet, what about housing? We are, at the moment, according to Shelter, we have 309,000 people who are homeless. 
Now, homelessness does only mean rough sleepers. There are many other areas. Grove announced a week or so ago, and I love this one. Grove announced that they're going to cut the number of houses being built, but he's now going to have the councils that haven't been building. But it's a government policy. I, I, I will admit. Now, there was something put in, um, they were supposed to be, and this is part of the third story, a Rent Reform Act bill, to be precise. And it sounded pretty good. I'm not going to go through it all. Uh, there's one, one thing I noticed I was interested an actual ombudsman who deals with these problems. And they were going to abolish Section 21. Section 21 is an eviction order. It's the, I would term it the atomic bomb of eviction orders. You have no, you have no defence against it. The only way you can battle it is there something wrong in the paperwork. Uh, one person had a date when they entered the property wrong. I got it squashed. I had a section 21 and I didn't have money to pay for a brief so I thought I'd defend myself and hopefully get off. Yeah. Um, I went to the courts prepared for a judge who wasn't there. The landlord's lawyers. They, I think they assumed they would need to be there or they knew they'd won. And the judge was very sympathetic to me. And he said, look, I can give you a reprieve, reprieve for three months. And asked them to appear. Well, in those three months, I got somewhere else to live. You know, it takes quite a battle when you haven't got money to get somewhere to live. Now, the government announced Section 21, a repeating Section 21, which I've wanted for years, um, has been taken out of that bill because the courts have to change. Sorry, I'm going to use bad words here. Bollocks. If you look at Rwanda, when the courts were the saying it's not safe, what did the government do? They put up bill dating that Rwanda's safe. Can you believe that? I, I couldn't. I, I, my imagination, which is a bit weird, is I imagine somebody getting shot in Rwanda and somebody saying to me, it's okay, it was safe anyway. No, you could have done that with Session 21. They're not interested in repeating it. My feeling is because um, a lot of MPs and landlords, several times over the years, somebody's tried to put a bill regulating landlords, it's been uh, not even heard. And there are ways not to make bills being heard. So, Excuse me. What do we do? What can we do? 
I don't know if Labour's still interest would be interested in it. They can have enough problems when they get in. I think we'll have a hell Parliament. But they said the Rent Reform Act bill, sorry, will be read in the spring. All the signs are we're going to have an election in the spring. I remember I contacted all oh, these years ago. My God, I just realised my first incarnation of the of this podcast, well, under a different name, was just before the last general election. Shows how many years. And um, I called it out. I wrote to the Minister of Homelessness to come on. There is a Minister of Homelessness. Yes, there is. You might not know it. Never heard of Dickie Bird. But I went to a house, housing hosting, and there he was. So I went up to him and I said, Look, I wrote to you. Why do you never reply to me? He said, Well, there's an election happened. That's what's going to happen. Any bill that's not been read when they announce the election, they're going to go into election mode. Not people mode, which they should be. It is rather bad. What do we do? Well, personally, I'd say, I'd, I'd like to say to you, don't vote the Tories. But how you vote in my world, this is my world, Ian's world, is up to you as an individual. Uh, somebody I know, uh, can you vote Labour? Uh, can you vote Conservative? Because that's what his world's about. He's what they call habitual voter. And I know, I spoke to somebody, actually I talked about a bill to somebody, and I had mentioned this, and we started talking, and she said, well, I vote Labour all my life, that's what I vote. I think whatever you vote is, is your right to vote the way you want to. Doesn't mean you'll be right. Doesn't mean I'll be right. I don't know. We could be well. well number one, Labour's going to spend most of their first period getting us out of the, the, um, the predicament that the Conservatives Conservative got us in. But it's bad. Now, this was the, that was the news that was. Now, Monday is the guest show. Yes, even on January the 1st, we're going to work. Well, we've done it anyway. i got an incredible guest. He's amazing. He's fantastic. It's me. Yeah, I'm going to be the guest on the guest show. Several people asking who I am and why I do things. And even like this morning, I saw something on Facebook. I'm going to show you that story before I go. I love stories, as you know. Um, homeless bloke walks into a restaurant trying to get some food. And this guy says, no, get out, get out, get out. And then the other guy, who is his partner in the business, says, no, no, I'll get him, I'll get him some food. we got no, no, we can't afford it. And 
you know, they went in. They went in back into the rest, into the kitchen area, and the bloke says, "Look, I'm not having it here." Said the horrible guy. The other says, "Look, I, I think we should. We've got loads of food. You know, we're not running short." Said, "No, don't a smelly person near you." And uh, and I said, "Look, he he might be smelly, but he needs food. We all need something to eat." And the guy said, "No, this is it. I'm putting my foot down on this." And I said, "Well, you put your foot down, and I'm going." So we all can get your money back. I don't care," said the younger, the younger man. And he left. He took the homeless guy out. There's a woman who'd been sitting there, standing there, waiting to be served. He noticed this. And I said, "Would you like a chair, man?" No, no, I'm going. And she went out. She's up to him and said, "I just heard about this. Why do you do this?" She said to the young man. She said, "Well." I was homeless. I was hungry. There used to be this woman every day. She would give me something to eat. And when I saved up, I got a job. I saved up money. I decided I want to help people as well. That's why I do it. And the woman got a notepad and said, "I'm a journalist. Don't you think that story should be shared." And this is part of the reason I do it. No, there was nobody. But uh, okay, there were handouts when I was on the street. There was a priest I really admired. I'm not a Christian. And we talk about it. He was concerned. Other people. Um, and I think the reason I do it is because I hear stories. We hear incredible things. Or oh, we learn incredible things. Um, Somebody mentioned about uh, homeless HBP consultancy. Shannon and Mike, they do say on Thursdays. I shared it. Don't know about it. I hope people share my podcast. Just don't know about it. But I'm always getting a story from somebody. Stories are important. I truly believe they are important. That's why I do what I do. Hopefully my story or somebody's story might inspire people. I've had quite a weird life, I think. Not a normal nine-to-five job, like most people. I've learnt so many things on the way. I'm grateful that all the people have taught me. So on Monday, you're going to hear a bit of my story. It takes years to tell my story. And see what you think. And as Monday's, it's also my birthday on Monday. So I'm going to wish you, first of all, a happy new year. I pray you get all that you want in the new year. And if you enjoyed this, please share. 